1: Greetings, folks, and welcome to Good News for the City, the radio broadcast ministry partnership between WAVA Radio and One Heart BC, right here on life-changing talk radio, 105.1 FM, WAVA. My name is Dennis Williams. I'm director of ministry for WAVA Radio, and I want to welcome you to today's broadcast. Well, listen to this one, folks. Just three weeks after having their first baby, Rachel was diagnosed with a rare spinal cord tumor that threatened her life. Indeed, the tumor and the surgery to remove it left her as a quadriplegic. She and her husband, Taylor, survived months in hospitals near death. And their return home accompanied a lot of work, folks. And you can just imagine this, a lot of work to regain their family life and their and movement in, in Rachel's body. Well, now they're two years out from the surgery and have lived God's healing miracles in just innumerable ways. And they join us today to share their story of God's mercy in their lives. And of course, we want to talk about that here on Good News for the City. And of course, here to get us started to introduce our guests for the day is my good friend, my buddy, my co-host, my cohort. I don't know. Are you a partner in crime, man? I guess. Pastor Brian Bale, Senior Pastor of Christian Fellowship Church in Ashburn, Virginia. Dude. It is good to see you, man.
2: Thanks, man. You know, one of the favorite things I get to do from time to time as a pastor at Christian Fellowship out there in Ashburn is to to communicate God's stories about what God has done in in life and in people's lives specifically. And longtime listeners of the show know that what we do on Good News for City is this. We highlight local ministries or local people here in the Washington metro area so that we, as the listeners, can get involved locally and make a difference to live out the good news of the gospel. However, from time to time, instead of talking about how we can get involved, what we bring sort of is what some people might call a human interest story. But I like to call it a God interest story. Because there are those stories wherein we hear about what has happened in someone's life And then we watch what then goes from that moment of difficulty and challenge to a new moment. And the only thing we can say is God was up to something good. And that is one of those stories today that we want to share. And to share that story with us, we're grateful to have Rachel and Taylor Barkley with us. Uh, to share that you've mentioned about already a little bit of what they've gone through we're going to expand on that but uh, the Barclays are living out God's kingdom work in their vocations of work and family life Taylor Amen. is as uh, a director of technology and innovation at stand together where he works on technology policy and research that is at the intersection of both culture technology and innovation Rachel is the president of RK Barclay Consulting where she advances policy around freedom and human dignity for nonprofit and Corporate Clients. Uh, Rachel, Taylor, thanks for joining us today.
3: God bless Glad you to both. Be here. Yeah, yeah,
2: thanks for having
4: us.
3: Yeah, thank you. Thank you.
2: So, you know, Dennis and I are kind of getting to this age where it's hard to remember what it was like before kids, right? Uh, you know, <laughs> my kids just entered high school and, and middle school. Dennis's children are, are, are a bit older than that. But nevertheless... Thinking back every once in a while, I used to live not far from where you live. And uh, we didn't have kids at that point. Mm, You know, and we just get up one day, we go to work and come home and we get our work done. And we go, where do you want to go to dinner? Or let's go to Panera and maybe watch a movie. What was life like for you guys before the birth of your son?
4: Wow. Yeah. It's only been two years and yeah. already I'm feeling that. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> Remember when?
4: Yeah. yeah.
3: I mean, we were, um, we were really active. Uh, Rachel and I were friends for about four years before mm-hmm. we started dating um, and then got married. And, we, and
4: the young professional DCC. Yep. Yeah.
3: And we bonded over an affinity for backpacking and fly fishing. And then surfing into the equation. Maybe you can, Rachel, you want to talk about our travels a bit too? And we, you know, know,
2: maybe you shouldn't talk about it because I'm all of a sudden jealous of the life that you had. uh, (laughs) I Uh, am too. Yeah. We,
4: um, we when we were first married we decided we want to do a ton of traveling so mm-hmm. we did a wonderful eating tour of the amalfi coast yeah, we wow. did a safari in kenya yep. um you know we were very active yeah we did two-day backpacking trips and fly fishing trips in montana and yeah i'm just living the dream
2: you, I, I might not <laughs> have to stop you right there because Dennis and, and my wife listened to the show from time to time and uh, we took our, <laughs> our our wives to cleveland or something like that it's not quite <laughs> nearly
3: a fine city. Uh, a fine Mindset. Yeah, it, no,
2: it's great. That's where we're from. We, uh, we love. That. I was going to say, Brian, man,
3: uh, Rachel, I am worn flat out. Yeah, I am just exactly. worn out, man.
2: You <laughs> know, you fast forward a couple of years after that, and now you probably had to get a babysitter just to do this radio talk. So <laughs> things right. sort of change a little that's bit. Right, right? That's right. So tell us about that. When was your son born, and, and what was that like?
4: Yeah, so um, we were due with Hudson, our our son just let's see my due date was two days after my 30th birthday two Mm -hmm. years ago and he came a couple days late he was was hanging out in there and he um so two years ago we had him may 21st 2019 and it was just you know the best day ever as you guys can attest when that baby's put in your arms it was wonderful
1: amen
2: yeah and as dennis said in the opening there's there was a a pretty big shift uh, in anyone who's experienced going from uh, being married and just being two people to adding a a child into it as much as awesome as that is, there's right. a big shift, right? But There was an unexpected shift that would probably uh, would say maybe even larger that just happened three weeks later when you were diagnosed um, with a tumor uh, on your spinal cord. Now, was that something that became evident during uh, having Hudson or is this just a follow-up? How did that all happen?
4: It was really kind of a, um, in, in hindsight, a slow progression. So for about three years, really the first three years of our marriage, I had terrible back and shoulder pain, but Mm -hmm. you know, as you could tell, we lived very busy, active lives and ran back
2: in shoulder pain, just listening to what you did. So that makes sense. I didn't do it.
4: Yeah. So I thought it was just natural um, from, you know, as I hit 30, that's just what happens. Um, And
2: I'm going to laugh right now because Dennis hit 30 a long time ago. We always make fun of his age and just ask him what happens once you hit the age he's at now, once we get off air. So go ahead. Sorry about that. By the way,
1: by the way, Rachel uh, Hudson is his birthday is pretty close to mine, man. So he's got to be a fantastic kid. I mean, He'd... mine's mine's May 25th, so we're close, man. Oh. Wow, wow. <laughs> yeah. And he
3: actually shares the birthday with his namesake, Hudson Taylor, the missionary. Oh, wow. That's, All case, right. That's yeah, fantastic. Love that story. Weird. One of those weird things. <clears> throat> anyway, throat> Rachel, where were you?
4: Um, so yeah, terrible pain. Didn't notice how it was pinched nerve. I've been going to chiropractors for a couple years. And then after I had Hudson almost every single day, yeah. Um, yeah. my body just kept falling apart. The pain got terrible to the point yeah. where I wasn't sleeping not cause the baby was crying, but because the pain was just indescribable. And then mm-hmm. slowly my, mm-hmm. my fingertips started going tingly mm-hmm. and I could barely walk. My right leg was just having problems. I was having to hold Taylor every time I got up to walk. And so yeah. we realized this is not normal. So we started seeing a couple different doctors from my OBGYN to a spinal orthopedic specialist. And they all couldn't really put a finger what was going on. They said, well, your, your leg's not working, but you have neck pain. Those two don't really connect and nobody could help us. They just said, ah, it's kind of a weird postpartum thing. So nobody had answers for me. And then one doctor said, you know, if this gets worse, you should go to the ER. Um, If not, then you should just go to physical therapy. (laughs) So uh, one morning, three weeks to the day from when I had Hudson, um, I woke up and said, "Hudson or Taylor, will you bring me the baby to feed him? And I started to get out of bed and my right leg was completely dead. Couldn't move a toe. Couldn't move it at all. Oh my all. goodness. Paralyzed. Right. Oh
3: right. my goodness. Yeah. About 9am in the morning. So
2: <clears throat> this was obviously a key point where, you know, this is moving from something that certainly you were taking serious to uh, much more critical as it's moving forward. And I think for many of us, if not all of us, when we are, dealing or faced with maybe the first time or many times a significant physical issue now we know what scripture says uh, about our bodies that this uh, isn't the one that we're going to have forever in fact right. that the bible talks about us that in uh, eternally we're going to get an upgrade we're going to get one that's not broken but when we deal with that reality uh, it, it's hard and grasping and i think for a lot of times we begin this uh significant time of prayer I think we didn't pray before, but a significant time of prayer around this idea of, of God, you know, heal this, you know, and mm-hmm. for me, I don't know about for you, lots of times I begin to pray without even realizing I have a very specific outcome of the way that I want God to answer my prayer about healing uh-huh. or whatever it might be. As you mm-hmm. prayed for healing, how, how was that for you? And how were your prayers answered or in your mind, maybe not answered?
3: I think it was, you know, I, I've been struck recently by particularly uh, David from the Bible his his actions that he took and his prayerful life so it's kind of in conjunction. And I think when we woke up that morning, it was take Rachel to the emergency room, and we had to mm-hmm. essentially carry her down the stairs. And we were missing one person basically to get her safely in the, safely into the car. And a friend just happened to be walking by. Just, just happened.
4: happened, yes, yeah. quote unquote friend from church, yeah. Yeah,
3: and she was able to help us get Rachel safely into the car. And so it was in conjunction there and. You know, all throughout, there was a consistent prayer for Rachel's healing in the emergency room, uh, prayer for then guidance and treatment where in a critical moment, we were praying for guidance on whether we should stay at the hospital in Virginia or go to Johns Hopkins in Maryland. And we Mm -hmm. prayed for bright light clarity and right in that during that prayer, the, the neurosurgeon at the local hospital came to us and said, I think you should go to Johns Hopkins
4: at the moment we were praying. Yeah, yeah.
3: When our pastor was there with us. Yeah. Some um, people call it happy
2: we, coincidence. Uh, the Bible calls it sovereignty, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, and so
4: in different moments of comfort, you know, the, right. so we transferred up to Johns Hopkins, one of the best neurosurgeons in the country and the night before this really scary surgery, right. They were, slicing my entire spine open and removing mm. this tumor from a delicate, my spinal cord inside your spine. Like
3: her, the tumor was inside her spinal cord. So they had to cut through it. And the spinal cord is so sensitive that if you know, it's touched by the, you know, it's flicked by a naked finger or, you know, without any protection, it could paralyze a person. So it's very, very sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a yeah. very
4: delicate. And um, I just, I remember just praying the verse in Isaiah about God's mighty right hand and just sensing it. I could almost feel and see God's mighty right hand over my surgeon's right hand. Um, And I think I was surprisingly the most calm person in my family the night before the surgery. (laughs) Everyone else was kind of a mess, Um, (laughs) but I had this odd calmness, which didn't last long. You know, I woke up from the surgery quadriplegic, so completely paralyzed shoulders down, basically. And I I definitely panicked after the surgery, but the the calmness that God was watching over my surgeon was there.
2: So let's talk about that. I'm sure that there were a lot of conversations with your doctors, even the high-level experts at Johns Hopkins, where they talked about the possibilities of what could happen. And so we go in and we pray for the best. And certainly we have our idea what the best is. And we come out on the other end. And while you are, and I'm going to use this term uh, somewhat loosely, healed of your tumor, you have some additional things that, that have come with it. What was it like now, not necessarily facing, all right, here's a tumor that could do even more damage and possibly take my life to now, okay, the tumor is gone, but now I'm dealing with life completely different. And I wish our viewers could actually see you right now, Mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, when we talk about being a quadriplegic, that is not how you are now. We'll get to part of that story, part of how God's healed you and what you still have on this journey, Mm -hmm. but now you add. Okay, now I am going to recover from the surgery. I, I can't function like I functioned before. And by the way, how long? How old is Hudson at this point? Hudson is a month old at this point.
4: Oh
3: my so, goodness! In the story, yeah, yeah. yeah.
4: Um, so very much, you know, I'm postpartum and yeah. trying to, you know, get used to being a mother to my baby, and that mm-hmm. kind of got ripped away from me, and it felt very unfair. Um, yeah. you know, I couldn't even hold him. I was in the intensive care unit where, um, babies were not even allowed because of, um, the germs and whatnot on that floor. Yeah. So after the surgery, I didn't see him for what, five days,
3: I think the three days, we got 45 minutes. We were able to wheel Rachel outside in a very special bed when she was mm-hmm. in ICU for 45 minutes to get some sunshine and to hold Hudson. And uh, yeah. actually, I actually have a photo of that on my desk at work. That's mm-hmm. a really beautiful moment. I'm just well, I bet listening that brought some, story.
1: uh, I'll bet that brought some healing, didn't it, Rachel?
4: Uh,
1: <laughs> just, yeah, it was an see incredible that moment. baby boy. Yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. But it was really tough. I mean, she was, yeah, she was apart from him and, uh, we had a bunch of family helping out too. Uh, both our moms were there taking daytime and nighttime duty respectively with Hudson. So I could be around Rachel as much as as much as possible, uh, sleeping in the hospital rooms mm-hmm. and all that. Um, but it was, you know, from ICU, it was five days and then probably 10 days in recovery upstairs in the hospital and then a massive pulmonary embolism, which was a blood clot, clot got loose and essentially shut down most of Rachel's lung capacity and she coded. So they hit the code blue button in the hospital rooms and uh, happened to be another God moment Happened to be, be being held by four nurses and technicians right when it happened. Mm-hmm. Probably if those nurses is bed, you know, another part of the, the wing, would have been a much more serious consequence for Rachel, if not death. Mm -hmm. Right. We found out later how serious of an incident that was. So that was back to ICU.
2: How long were you actually in the hospital before they were able to release you?
4: So we spent, uh, I spent a month at Johns Hopkins recovering and then that pulmonary embolism really extended my stay there. Um, and then moved into what's called a rehabilitation hospital. Um, The family went scouting for what's the best hospital to get Rachel as much recovery as possible and found a hospital in Philadelphia called McGee rehabilitation and moved there for about two and a half months to try to get any movement I could back to try to um, learn what it meant to be disabled and to take care of myself and my Mm. family um, with this new body that I had suddenly
2: yeah yeah I'm just listening to your story, and I would never compare what I'm feeling to what you felt, but I feel overwhelmed just listening mm-hmm. uh, I, I can't I can't imagine what it was like to actually be in the middle of it. you said something rachel that that I love the fact that you verbalized because sometimes you know we have those internal thoughts about God uh, and we don't say them out loud and the truth is God already knows our thoughts when we say them out loud yeah. it's the beginning of healing for us Amen. it's not new information Amen. to him right <laughs> Amen. That it Amen. felt very unfair yes, yes. Um, yes. And you actually say in your blog you know um and i just you know let me tell you about that for a second you can go to www.taylordbarclay.com and find out more or you can go to the podcast if you get your podcast through apple it's what it's on right now we're the barclays uh, and, and hear more about that story um, or you can go to follow you on instagram at rkbarclay on instagram there's all kinds of ways and dennis will remind us at the end of our show but you mentioned in your blog that you were just, you were just trying to survive. And sometimes, you know, you had this moment and, and uh, I really resonated when I read this about like, how can God see me, mm. see what I'm going through. And I'm going to just add my words to it because I'd be like, all right, not just what I'm going through, but I'm not getting a chance This child that you gifted me with. I'm not a good chance to be with them in the early part of, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I know me, I've had my moments where me and God, you know, actually me just, I, I like to call it verbally processing. Maybe there are other words to describe it outwardly to God about the things that I'm frustrated with. God, how can you see this? And I read scripture and I see all these things that I know you can do. You've got all this power. Why can't you just say, you know, sort of pick up your mat and walk moment. Mm -hmm. Um, How has the way that God has chosen to answer your prayers, the way Mm -hmm. that God has chosen to heal in ways that probably I, I would think I'm, truthful and saying, you wouldn't have chosen that way. You would have chosen a different path because I know I would always choose a different path for me. Mm-hmm. How does that change your perspective on suffering in miracles and healing?
4: Gosh, I feel like most of the time my prayers are not answered with what I'm specifically asking for lately. Um, and, you know, this mm-hmm. moment, kind of what you talked about on our blog was this moment where I was at my my lowest part of mm-hmm. just being so angry and frustrated that my body was not working and the realization hitting me that I am yeah. disabled. And I was with, it was late at night. I was with Taylor. The nurses had bathed me cause I couldn't bathe myself. And, yeah. um, I, I look at Taylor and I'm like, gosh, T- Taylor and I also, um, had a big heart for sharing the gospel mm-hmm. and had been doing that, you know, our whole friendship and early marriage and, I thought, gosh, Taylor! If all the people who we've been telling Jesus about saw me healed this moment, wouldn't that be so powerful? Wouldn't this be? Mm. And we had lots of people um, following our story online and whatnot. Yeah. If they saw this, wouldn't this be the best testimony? And then yeah. Taylor and like I was distraught. Taylor and his wisdom said to me,
3: "Maybe it's a bigger. It could be a b- bigger miracle to suffer well than to be healed instantly."
2: Yeah. Um, I I want people to hear that again. Would you repeat that?
3: Yeah. I mean, which I think I asked, you know, Rachel, it was in the moment, you know, which would be the bigger miracle to have the instant healing or to suffer well. Uh, I think for me, I'd come out of a couple of years prior just being hit by the instances in scripture where their healings don't happen. Um, And then particularly by, you know, one story of Elijah having this moment uh, with fire comes down from heaven consumes the sacrifice and the, the, uh, the priests of the false gods. And then he gets threatened by Jezebel and immediately gets depressed, runs to the desert and says he wants to die. And then it says he walks for 40 days and then he has the mountain experience with the whisper and the fire. And like, we talked yeah. about that part, but the 40 days he trudged, there's no indication in scripture that there was any word from God in that. Mm-hmm. Um, or you think of the people who brought the paralytic to Jesus, you know, there was probably yeah. years of attempts before, Mm-hmm. there was healing there. And I think those instances of, you know, suffering well of being present with God, even in dark places where it seems like there's no answer coming back. Like that's, yeah. I, for, I think it's the norm. It's not mm-hmm. the exception. It doesn't mean there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Well then let's fast forward a little bit. And uh, I do encourage people to go to your podcast where the Barclays, because if you're like me, you're like, tell me more, tell me more. I mean, I, I love what we're talking about, but let's fast forward to what your lives are like now. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, people can't see you like I can right now. Uh, and so I got a little bit of perspective of it, but um, a lot of change over the last couple of years. Yeah.
4: Well, this kind of ties into your last question, too, about what we've learned about healing. I think um, I think I grew up going to more kind of charismatic churches, and I very deeply believe in healing. Yes. Um,
3: yeah, yeah, totally.
4: And I think in my head, healing happens in an instant. Yeah, a, a miraculous healing is something you pray and then boom, it happens. Um, Mm -hmm. But what I really have learned in this kind of little over two-year journey is that these miracles have happened like a millimeter a month Mm -hmm. to where, you know, two years ago, I could not even sit myself up in bed. Um, And now I am walking with crutches. I just walked three miles per hour on the treadmill at the gym yesterday. That's awesome. Um,
3: 25 seconds. I couldn't
1: do that. I couldn't do that, man. (laughs) So, hey.
4: (laughs) And it really Uh, – I if old me had looked at me now, I'd say, that's a miracle, but Mm -hmm. it happened a millimeter a month. It didn't happen instantly. And, and just that um, different perspective on healing is something I'll carry
2: for life. Yeah. In sort of this last minute, then you encourage someone, would you, Uh, who's facing maybe a challenge, maybe it's a disability or diagnosis. What would you want them to know about God in these moments?
4: Mm. Um, you know, what you started with Brian, that we have this hope of new bodies in the future. So do not lose hope and, um, keep praying in hope suffering, um, produces perseverance, perseverance, character and character Mm -hmm. hope. Um,
2: so do not lose. Amen. Amen. I'll I, I count it all joy. It says in James, right? If we could grasp that at a deeper level and thank you for sharing your story, Taylor. Thank you for sharing your story, Rachel. If I had more time, Taylor, I would ask you if Hudson Taylor, his name and your name are connected. I don't know. We'll catch that off air, but thank you for <laughs> encouraging good. us of what it looks like to live this out. Right, Dennis.
1: Hey man, gosh. Yeah. We need another hour and a half to talk to you guys, but we don't have it. They just won't, they just won't give it to me. Doggone it. But, uh, Hey folks, if you want to, and, and you should, you should absolutely listen to this again. Fantastic job by everybody. Hey, you can go to goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com. Again, on Instagram, rkbarkley, um, at rkbarkley on Instagram. And also, uh, Taylor has a, a, a website that you should go to and, and find out more stuff. That's Taylor, excuse me, TaylorDbarkley.com taylordbarclay.com or if you really want any more information and want to talk to somebody please give me a call at the radio station 703-807-2266 that's 703-807-2266 Taylor, Rachel, Brian, my buddy God bless y'all thank you fantastic praise God for you Um, you're just incredible people and I know that and I've just just met you so thank you folks please remember please remember this one it's the gospel that makes a way. It's the
0: gospel, the
1: gospel that makes a way.
0: Thank you for joining us and listening to Good News for the City, a gospel partnership between WAVA and One Heart DC. This is a partnership, movement which celebrates and seeks to accelerate the move of the gospel into the Washington, D.C. metro area. It is our prayer that through this radio broadcast ministry of good news for the city, we will see transformed lives and communities and more and more people responding to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ.